Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guest today is Laurent Goldstein, or Laurent. I guess is how he pronounces it. He's French, of course, but he lives in Canada in Vancouver. And I met Laurent uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess. And I think we actually ran into each other a couple of times over the last decade or so, just being in Vancouver and kind of in the marketing world and networking and that type of thing. But our paths crossed at a time when um, I, I was in my office in Kelowna and all of a sudden this guy walked in, which was very odd because nobody comes to my office, right? They, I, it was just wasn't a place where I brought clients to or, you know, even had any kind of resemblance of like, please walk in. But in walks this guy. And, you know, he just starts a very casual conversation. And obviously, he knew a little bit about me and, and had researched who I am and what I was up to and that type of thing. And he started just, you know, talking to me and having a very casual conversation. And eventually, it led to, hey, I think there's ways that we may be able to collaborate and work together. And at that time, this was like right before um, you know, COVID hits and the whole world shut down. And Laurent actually had an event going on at a city that was very close to where I live. And, you know, we ended up, you know, throughout all of these conversations, figuring out that like, hey, maybe I can be on stage there talking about uh, business and marketing and sales and that type of thing. And anyways, it's it's really blossomed since then. He's been a client. I've been a client of his. He actually, him and his uh, production company, Citrus Pie Media, uh, created this incredible storytelling video for me that really spoke about my journey to where I am today and my passion for serving and supporting the coaches, consultants, the experts of the world that have a message to share, that have a vision that's greater than just themselves and making money, but rather actually making a difference in the world and sharing their gifts. And the story really you know, went all the way back to me as a kid, having coaches, becoming a coach myself, the ups and the downs, the divorce that I went to, the shame that I felt through it, how it actually allowed me the opportunity to reflect within and really see the duality and, and the, the gift that is every single thing that has happened in my life. And, and then he made it come to life in a, you know, a short, it was only like four and a half or five minutes long, this, this video, this little docu-series or this little uh, brand storytelling video. But man, was it impactful. It was something that when I shared it, I was incredibly proud to be able to share that story and know that it was going to serve other people that maybe are going through what I've been through or they're in the middle of going through what I've been through. And I didn't do it from the perspective of like, and I have all the answers and I'm never going to go through anything like this again. It was really from a humbleness of like, and I know that everything then in life is going to happen for me, not to me as a result of going through this personal development work and this journey together. So Anyways, long story short is that, you know, Laurent is a storyteller. He's a salesman. He is a business builder. He is a, a documentary creator. He's a filmmaker. He's actually just about to um, release and, and or go into production on his own feature film for the very first time. And again, he spoke about this and some of the fears that are coming up. And, you know, it was just such a really interesting and enlightening conversation. And, and one that's needed nowadays because a lot of people and businesses right now are struggling. They're, they're in a fear state. They're not sure how to navigate this new world that's crossing technology and human connection and, and just trying to come out on the other side as a better person, as a better business, creating positivity in this world. So 
That was some of the things we talked about. We're both up to some amazing big things right now. We're actually collaborating on some things that I cannot wait to bring into this space. Laurent's going to be a big part of that, him and his, uh, him and his partner, Jen, and their company. Um, so anyways, in the meantime, I look forward to you meeting Laurent. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. All right, Laurent, welcome to the Trevor Turbo Show. It's so great to talk with you. It's really nice to be here with you, Trevor. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. We've had numerous great conversations over the last like year, year and a half or so that we've been connected. And I think we may have crossed paths before over the last like 10 years. But of course, in the last year and a half or so, we've been working uh, closely together. I've got to know you and of course, Jen as well. And just understanding what uh, what makes you tick and how you're wired and your background. And like you have such a crazy diverse background that I wanted to introduce you to people in my network, number one. But I also wanted to dive deep. And I told you that I hadn't even uh, expressed to you what ultimately I wanted to talk about on this interview. But really, it's the whole idea of like how to take an idea and make it become a reality, whether it's in the sales spectrum, creating a film, creating a documentary, creating something out of nothing that maybe somebody else can't even see yet, but you can. This is a skill, and this is something that gets developed over time. And I just can't wait to, to talk through this with you, because obviously you've got a lot of years of experience in doing this, and, and we've had conversations around this topic before. So that's a little context about uh, where I think this interview will ultimately end up going. And um, And just really quickly before I get you to just give a little intro to yourself, Part of the reason why I created this podcast and I've expressed this to you before is just to have these insightful, you know, honest, vulnerable conversations about the messy journey that is our lives and all these paths that take us down these paths that we think it's going to go one way and then it ends up going another way. And we think it's a bad thing, but it's actually a blessing. And, you know, Brene Brown has a quote that says, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be somebody else's survival guide. So that's the piece to kind of ground us in the conversation here. And with that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everybody. Just the the elevator pitch of who is Laurent. Well, thank you, Trevor. Um, well, I'm, my name is Laurent Goldstein, and um, I was born in France. I came to Canada about 30 years ago, and I've been following a, an entrepreneurship uh, journey, basically coming into Canada. But 11 years ago, I started with Jennifer, a video and film production company called Citrus Pie Media Group uh, that has also now a new component, which is Biswell Studio. And so I am passionate about um, sales, uh, starting a business and making films. So these are really, and I have a background in music as well. But it was very interesting what you said earlier, because I, I really, in a way, live by John Lennon's saying which goes like, life is what happens when we are busy making other plans. Because we, we never know what life has in store for us. And I also think a lot about the butterfly effect, mm. how, how yes. things that sometimes appear to be insignificant can have a major repercussion in our lives and also in the lives of others. Uh, these are two, two things that really... Um, I've been reflecting upon and that are very important for me. So I think paying attention to the little signs that, you know, 
for the sake of using another word, I'm going to say the universe is sending us every day. Mm -hmm. It's very important to, we, I think it's important to develop a, a finely attuned sense of things, people we meet and, and try to go below the surface, try to understand maybe that's interesting. Let's think about that. Let's look into that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of the film um, with Jim Carrey, uh, the yes, yes man. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it, I have, but that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of the attitude. That character is kind of forced to say yes to everything that happens to him. And it takes him on a journey. Of course, it, he falls in love and it's a good journey, you know, but it doesn't go without challenges. And that's kind of <laughs> the story of my life. For sure. Yeah. Well, there, it's a little tough to read. I'm still working on the lighting in here, but it says, be grateful, be curious, be brave. Actually, I think it's curious and brave right here. But the curious one is exactly what you're kind of alluding to as well, right? As well as gratefulness, right? Of like just being grateful for every little butterfly effect that has happened along the way. Because a lot of times we don't even realize it until decades later, even in some cases, right? Like when I think about some um, filmmaking and and video production for that matter, like there's so much storytelling tied into it, right? And and this is a skill that I've been, you know, curious about myself for the last 10 years and not really spending a lot of time on it, like focused in the last eight years, but just in the last couple. And of course, you coming into my world had an influence on that. And that's something that um, I find fascinating that when you start to realize that like everything is tied to a story, including a person's decision to whether they're going to buy something or not, right? Like sales is all tied up in storytelling as well, right? At least really, really authentic, um, true selling is. And um, I'm just curious to know too, like where did this spark happen for you back over the years? Like wh what made you realize that like this, being in, uh, having a video production company and a company that, you know, helps market other businesses and doing films and stuff. When did it hit you? Serendipity, I guess, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Before Citrus Pie Media Group, um, I owned a, a successful uh, software-based company for about 12 years. Uh, we developed an internal communication system software program for pretty much um, any kind of healthcare providers. But um, when I bought the company back in 1999, I decided to focus exclusively on the chiropractic profession. So mm. we acquired about 3,000 you know, um, clients uh, all over the world. Our software was selling in the $20,000 US range. We were doing very well. We, we organized seminars for chiropractors. So we had a, an element of education inspiration. I had a podcast for 10 years called The Path to Excellence, where I was bringing leaders to inspire chiropractors who are my clients. So I kind of tried to give chiropractors a whole kind of comprehensive package where they would give, they would get the software, the hardware, the content. I had a team of graphic designers, uh, writers, software developers at the office. But also give them the necessary tools through the podcast and the educational seminars so that they would all, always be inspired to better serve their community, to be better at running their practice and so on and so forth. And we did very well. I mean, we, when I bought the company, it was doing about 1.5 million a year. 
And when I closed it down, we were at 7 million plus. Uh, and I had 40 employees, 25 salespeople. The problem is that uh, 2009, the recession hit and 85% of our business was in the US. And basically, uh, the banks closed the credit tabs. Um, 90% of our sales were done through leasing. So the leasing companies who were loved working with us, I mean, they, they had funded hundreds of our deals, suddenly said, sorry, unless your client has a credit rating of, I don't know, 800, 820 something that very few people have, we can take it. So we literally, when we, when we closed the business, we were sitting on, I think it was $2.7 million of business that was written. We had the purchase orders with everything, but we could not put them through uh, leasing. So I had to close the business down. And for about three or four months, I was wondering, what am I going to do? I mean, that company was going to be my retirement. And one day I walked into the house, Jennifer was in the kitchen and it, it just, I, I was like on fire. I had, I had that day, I had that, that vision of creating a video production company. So the idea that I had was to help businesses market themselves by telling their story and market themselves online. I mean, we had done some video production within my uh, software company. We used to film our seminars. We used to do interviews of chiropractors and things like that. And I decided to, to start a video production company. And, and, and the irony in that, Trevor, which is one thing I'd like to tell your audience is that it is never too late. It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. Why am I saying that? You know, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a movie director. I wanted to, I was passionate about cinema and I wanted to make films. I wanted to direct movies. And it was a passion that I was three, four times a week. I would go into movie theaters to watch movies. Even as a young teenager, I used to critique the movies in the French class once a week. <laughs> I had 10 minutes before two hour class to actually review the films I had seen. So as a real passion, I wrote my first screenplay when I was 20 years old and I was going to shoot it in super, in a um, 16 millimeter at the time, but I could not raise the financing. And then I took my life, took a complete different path. Like I took the path of business and sales, which was not my initial calling really. And when I came to Canada, that's what it became. I became a business entrepreneur. I opened three or four companies and successfully every time, but somehow something was missing. You know, I guess it was my creative spark that had not been ignited. And with Citrus, when I started Citrus Pie, we started producing hundreds of videos, like marketing videos. But, but about three or four years into doing that, one day, again, the butterfly effect, I was at one of my clients, an RV dealer, in uh, Airdrie, Alberta. And the owner, um, was a client of mine, wanted to introduce me to his friend. Um, his name is Frank Moffat. And Frank had written a book called Your Second 50. And Frank was thinking about getting a, um, a documentary, a feature-length film from that book. And here I, here I show up. And talking about making things happen, like you talked about initially, that day, we spent two hours together at the RV dealership talking, and we really got along very well. We decided to go for dinner at the Cactus Club by the airport in Calgary that day. 
and literally we sat down, we each had a napkin, and we, we started writing names of celebrities we knew, influencers we knew. In my case, I knew a lot of influencers, celebrities, because of the chiropractic seminars, you know, so the people like Bruce Lipton, John DiMartini, you know, Guy Rickman, there's so many I could, Jack Canfield, there's so many I could name. So I started writing them down saying, I can call them. They could be part of that movie. And he did the same thing. He had a lot of background in the music industry because his kids are famous musicians. Uh, the band, uh, the Muffats from Calgary, they became oh, yeah. a, yeah, a yeah, worldwide yeah. sensation. They, they did the music for the film, actually. Hmm. So uh, what happened then is we started working on the film right away and we got it done. You know, it happened. The problem I see is too many people have great ideas, but they kind of like the, how can I say, the drive or there's something lacking that prevents them to make it happen. So I, I, I live by the saying, some people make things happen, some people watch things happen, some people say, gee, what happened? <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? I like to be in the first category. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but the irony is I'm, I was saying it's never too late. So here I am in my 60s and I just finished, uh, well, we, we, we are basically now pitching our first feature-length movie fiction with a very, you know, amazing cast. And, uh, you know, I wrote a screenplay with my brother for the movie called With an Open Heart. and. Uh, after doing four feature-length documentary, now hopefully the the first uh, uh, fiction film is going to to happen. So it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, it is never too late for sure. And I that's an interesting analogy that you use there too, because um, I think again this is where it always ties back to to sales and selling and enrollments or whatever, right? But ultimately, you've been able to take ideas and turn them into reality, but then also have moments in life that were unplanned, you know, the whole, you know, uh, financial crisis in 2009. And then now here we are, you know, 10 plus years later, and all of a sudden this, this COVID thing happens and completely flips the world upside down again. And I think it's so easy for some people to sit back and just watch things happen or really like not really take control of their life because they're looking for the, the defined guardrails of like, well, this is how you do this thing. And the truth is, I think this is, uh, you know, one of the amazing things about you and the thing that I admire about you and why I enjoyed spending more time with you is that like, we come up with crazy ideas all the time. And then we're like, how do we make that happen? And then you just start reverse engineering it. And knowing that, like, quite frankly, probably anywhere from 20 to 80%, there's no manual for it. Like you're literally creating it as you go whether that means enrolling the uh, financiers into it, whether it be banks or, you know, funding programs through the government or other individuals that may be involved in projects or even just enrolling the talent. Like I know recently we were just talking about your timelines for your film and the fact that you have somebody in mind as your lead actor and therefore you need to kind of reverse engineer like, well, that's 10 months from now. So I need to, within the next two months, put an offer in front of that person so that they'll block off two weeks of their time in June and, that's something that I think not many people believe in themselves enough that they can actually make it happen. Did you have any mentors along the way that helped instill some of those beliefs in you too, that like, 
okay, yeah, there's no manual for it, but like, why can't we create it? What about unlimited possibilities? Is there anybody that comes to mind for you? Yes. Well, first, I'd like to say that, you know, the, the, the tallest skyscrapers are built in a way that uh, in case of an earthquake or in case of a high winds, they flex, they move, they flex. So I think the key in life is flexibility, number one. Number two, we need to keep moving. We can't stay still. Um, that's one of the secrets in life. Uh, life is motion. So as far as mentors, my father, number one, for sure. My dad, um, ha- because my dad had to keep moving through extreme adversity. My mom spent a good part of her life, at least the last 20 years, but even before that, of her life in bed. She was uh, extremely depressed. She took antidepressant all her life. And um, when um, she lost her son, my brother, she could not cope with the loss. So, But my dad had to keep going. I mean, he could not just spend the days in bed. He had to keep going. And he was in sales. He was brilliant in sales. So he taught me. I mean, I saw him, you know, every day, you know, having his shower, drinking his coffee. Every day is a new day, you know. And then taking his briefcase and looking at every day as a day full of possibilities and going on the road, not knowing. And at the time, we didn't have cell phones. So, you know, he was going sometimes for two, three days not knowing if my mom would be okay because she did several suicide attempts. So I learned a lot from that. He, you know, he was a fighter. And where did he learn that from? Well, my dad was Jewish. And during the war, he had to be in hiding for four years as a little kid. He was running from one town to the, to the next, always hiding, always hiding from the Germans. So, of course, that, that also taught him um, a lesson, you know. So I think, he, you know, he, he is my first mentor that comes to mind. Uh, my brother who passed away was also an amazing mentor for me. What I learned from him is the lessons of tolerance, compassion, and never speaking bad about other people. He was an amazing guy. He was an artist. Uh, he was the kind of guy who, you know, one time he, he took his guitar, his backpack, and he left uh, our little town in Brittany on the west coast of France, and we went uh, hiking and and hitchhiking throughout Europe, you know. Yep. And and came back months later, playing guitar, you know, sleeping in his in his tent, by beside the road. He was only twenty two, so I have learned a lot from them. And of course, I have met amazing people uh, along the way. So many people have inspired me. Um, uh, at in the chiropractic professions, mentors of chiropractors who run their own, um, you know, practice management groups and thinking tanks. Uh, I've at, I, I have attended hundreds of these, um, you know, uh, seminars, and that has inspired me. a lot of them. Have inspired me. There's no question about that. And then some filmmakers, filmmakers and musicians have inspired me as well. Um, from a business standpoint. I have read, I mean, I have read the books on selling. I have, you know, the Na- Napoleon Hill and so on. But I would say I have learned mostly it's been the school of hard knocks mm-hmm. on the road, on the field. Yeah, I would say that's the main thing. Uh, the, you know, you, you're, you're alluding to adversity. You, you were talking about 
the crisis we went through, the financial crisis back in 2009, 2010, and then the uh, COVID crisis. Uh, I think the fact that I had, I had to learn to adapt when I came to North America, my English was, I had no English. I mean, I took, I took Latin and German after French, of course, and English was like, by that, by then, I had my motorcycle. I was a rebel. I was uh, always sitting in the back of the classroom at school. <laughs> <laughs> so where did I learn my English? I learned my English from uh, the music, the doors, the who, uh. the you know, the Jefferson airplane. I mean, this is where I, I learned the English. But I remember driving from Montreal to Calgary when I first came here. I was given the <laughs> responsibility of opening an office, a sales office for one-hour photo processing um, company uh, from France in Calgary, and I didn't speak the language. I remember driving, and every time I had to stop at a gas station to, because at the time there was not self-serve; it was usually full serve. Yeah, I had to rehearse how to ask to get the tank filled up, and it was oh, anxiety. It was yeah. that bad, and and I had to come to Calgary, and I, I had to hire staff. Um, you know, like a, a, a secretary, technicians for the equipment we were selling, um, administrator, accountant, and I had to hire salespeople, of course, not just hire salespeople, but teach them how to sell mm-hmm. this product um, that was really concept selling, very high ticket. I'm talking high, uh, true high ticket. I'm not talking the high ticket of $5,000 or $3,000. i am talking sixty, seventy, $80,000 back in the 80s. So it was a challenge. So I guess <laughs> I learned the hard way, you know, and sometimes I fell flat on my face. I made some, some attempt. One time I was in Germany and I thought, okay, well, if I can sell in France, I can sell in North America. I'm sure I can sell in Germany. I, <laughs> it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, you just never know. Right. But you took the leap into it at least. And, and now, you know, and maybe that doesn't even have to be the story. Who knows? Maybe at some point in your life, you can still go back and sell in Germany. But the thing that I think jumps out to me in everything that you just said there is these refer to them as like soft skills, you know, like things that we pick up from mentors, school of hard knocks, that type of thing. That's one of the things that I think uh, really defines who you are, at least from my perspective and how you've either taught and trained other salespeople or just, you know, uh, sold yourself, like walking into a winery, for example, like I'm out in Kelowna here and we've met up a handful of times up here. And I know you've told me numerous stories where, you know, part of your trips when you come up to do some filming projects is to connect with people. And then every once in a while you drive by a winery and go, I feel like I need to just pop my head in there, you know, and you just pop your head in and you talk to somebody and talk to somebody. And before I know it, you're talking to the owner and the next thing you know, you're you're doing a video project with them to help tell their story, to help them differentiate from the 400 other wineries that are in the area. You know, like you're all selling wine. Why are people buying your wine versus the next guy's wine, right? And tolerance, compassion, empathy, all of these things, I think, are really, really not talked about enough when it comes to effective sales skills, because we always want to put sales in a bucket of like selling, like trying to convince somebody of something as opposed to just getting to understand what makes a person tick and what they're wanting as a desired outcome and hearing what they're saying and knowing that there's probably a different truth 
but they just don't see it yet. Does that land for you as far as like how your sales uh, approach has been over the years and some of the stuff you've taught other people? Well, absolutely. But you, you, you're actually touching on, you know, several important points. I mean, one of them is cold calling. I mean, do you want me to talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure. Because I, I love cold calling. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've written a sales manual on, on it uh, called the, the broken record. But anyway, I love it. I think most people hate it. You know, um, they're afraid of it. They think it's inefficient as a method of making sales. I love it. Uh, first of all, I've learned one of my mentors in business. His name is Jerry Lovasser. I actually did a, a feature film on him. Um, very successful businessman from Alberta who built an empire uh, in the hospitality industry. And what he said during one of the interviews I did for the movie, he said, when people take a right, I usually take a left. So most people hate cold calling. And, you know, and I, so that gives me more, even more incentive to teach people, hey, you should really look into it because most people don't do it. You know, so that's, that's the point. But the way I look at it, I look at it as I love meeting new people all the time. So everything in life, in my opinion, has to do with the attitude that we have towards what happens to us. So my attitude is I'm open. Like if I see a winery, it looks good. I'm going to go in. I'm going to introduce myself. And I'm going, before I go in, I'm going to look at it and say, hmm, what do I really like about that place? Is there any differentiating factor? Let's look at the website. Let's look at their Facebook page. The building, interesting. Wow, this door is massive. They, put a, they must have put a lot of thoughts in getting this door built, that main entrance door. So I try to absorb the space and I try to put myself in their shoes. Why did they do it like that? Why? It must have been a process. So when I go in, I start talking to them. They are interested in hearing me because they appreciate that I have noticed things that I know they would have put a lot of effort into. So I would do that before I introduce myself, before I talk about videos. So there is already a connection. It's not a fake connection. It has to come from a real place. If it's only a, a fake, because we hear a lot, I mean, sales trainers talk a lot about, oh, you know, you need to ask questions, you need to listen. Well, sure, but what kind of questions? It's, it's more important, in my opinion, to discuss how you ask the question, how you listen, rather than saying, well, you know, it's important to listen, it's important to ask questions. That's a given. But it's the how that is important. Right. Yeah. Like a genuine curiosity. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. maybe making assumptions, but opening it up for the for the feedback loop, right? Of somebody right. to actually latch on to something, knowing that you notice that door and it's likely that that person probably put 20 hours of thinking into that door and Absolutely. sourcing that door and figuring out how it would look on photos and yes. people's experience walking through that door, right? And so. finding, finding the builder and the carpenter that could do it. And, but there is a reason why they wanted it that way. You see, so this is what I'm interested in. 
And, you know, actually, I met you through a cold call. I just came in. I walked in, remember? It wasn't even a cold call, exactly. It was a cold walk in the door. (laughs) You know, know, really, cold calling for me is primarily that. Yeah. And secondary, phone calling. Picking up the phone, right? Yeah. I prefer prefer the walking in. I I call it a cold call. It's a cold call, but walking in. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you really get a, a good sense of the space and the, and the, and the people who run the business right away. And also it's harder for the, the people who run the business to get rid of you when you're actually there in person. And also if an objection comes up, you, you have elements that you see in the space, in the environment that you can grab on to actually uh, keep talking or going to, for example, you might see a poster on the wall which is talking about a charity that they just give money to or whatever it is, a diploma on the wall if you're in a healthcare clinic and you happen to know that school, you know, and you can. So it gives you elements of conversation. You can create a report. On the phone, it's harder because it's easier for people to get rid of you. You just hang up. No, sorry, not interested. Bye. Yeah. So when yeah. people call me like that, I, I get, of course, like everybody else, I get a lot of calls which are unsolicited with, um, you know, marketing calls. And I, I always try to be nice. I'm not, in, I, I try to, I tell them, look, I'm not a good prospect for you, but g- good luck with your next call. You know, that to me is important, the way we talk to people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is where our world's ended up colliding in a perfect way too, was that, you know, I've come from a world that existed prior to social media where I've, I've told you this story, you know, my first sales manager threw a f- yellow pages phone book on my desk and said, best of luck kid. Right. And I had to just like drive around town and look for phone numbers on signs and go to networking events. And then I really leaned into the digital world and spent the better part of the last 15 years, just kind of like consuming this and figuring out how to take the offline online and then recreate that authenticity. And I think this is uh, an important piece. I'm glad that we kind of landed here too, because like Biswell, you know, what I do in my work, the work that we've done together is so incredibly um, important right now. And it's a real challenge for businesses nowadays. And it doesn't matter if you're selling business to business, business consumer, whatever, like your, your piece of advice right there of like, I prefer walking into a building and actually, you know, seeing the environment and that type of thing. It became harder to do that, right? And then naturally the world locks down and, and all of these things. So there's a lot of pieces to that, Laurent, and I definitely want us to kind of weave in and out of it. But part of it is this, like, how do you do that in a truly global world now where you have access to this technology, but there's still this disconnect between people thinking a tool is going to enroll people into whatever they're selling versus actually human connection. And then the other side of it is, and I'll just go back to referencing what you said that your brother said to you is this idea of like tolerance and compassion, knowing that like, and we've had lots of conversations about this with regards to, you know, COVID politics, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that like deep down there's, there's a, there's an annoyance to it. There's a, there's a fear to it. There's, all of these emotions that people are going through right now and what it ultimately comes back to. And again, this is all tied again, I think into like what Biswell is ultimately mission to create is like people's fear around just moving forward and finding new ways to reinvent themselves and their business and tell their story 
for the fear of insulting somebody or for the fear of doing the wrong thing or whatever it is. It's usually a internal conversation of self-worth that's the problem, you know? But anyways, I'm kind of going off on a bunch of different stuff. I'll let you pick up on what I'm putting down there. Anything come to mind? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> many <A> few things. things. <laughs> yeah, many things. When you started talking, um, I had something. What did you start with? What was the first point you made? Do you remember? Uh, geez, I was talking about oh, a lot the of walking, stuff. the walking call. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talked about that. And, yeah, and just you coming into the office and where our worlds collided was me being so enveloped, you know, oh, in yes. 10, 15 years into the digital space. And yeah. you were talking about the tools. So, this is what comes to mind, Trevor. A good mechanic. I, I, I'm a boater, so I've met many <laughs> mechanics along, along the way. When they come with their toolkit, in their toolkit, you don't find a screwdriver and a hammer. You find a whole bunch of things. Why? Because they never know the situation they're going to be faced with, right? Mm, so when yeah. it comes to selling, I think, you know, a, a screwdriver or a hammer is not go- going to answer all the situations. You need to have everything at your disposal. You need to use all the tools because some of these tools will work better for some situations. Other tools will be better for other situations. So, you know, whenever I work locally, if I am in a small town, let's say I'm spending a couple of days in a small town, let's say Kamloops as an example. It's a small community and they are very tight community based. I want to meet the people there. You know, so I, I'm not going to use the tools of, uh, from the digital space for that. I can just casually walk in, say hi, and, you know, get to know them. And I've done that very successfully again and again and again. But of course, if I'm trying to reach out to uh, businesses that are, you know, far away, right. then of yeah. course we need to use the other tools. So it depends on the market, it depends on who you're talking to, where you're uh, geographically located. But I think we need to embrace all these tools. We need to embrace them and learn how to master them as much as possible. So even for business owners, uh, especially in the wellness space, I mean, we're talking about Bizwell. Bizwell is the, it's where basically my experience in health and wellness through the chiropractic space that I spent over 20 years in and my experience as a business owner, this is where they meet. And I, I, that's why it's called Bizwell. It's, it's about bringing wellness into Bizwell, how to be, perform in business better and, and keep your balance within all of that. That's really what is important. So it's using all the tools that are available and not discard any of them and be, become an expert at as many tools as possible. Right. Yeah. Knowing that in today's world too, it's, it is a matter of having to have these multiple tools in the tool set, right? Um, what used to work. And I think both of our, uh, both of us are very aligned in this. And that's what we're speaking to is like, what used to work still works, which is just human connection, have compassion, have empathy, be able to hear what people are saying, see the the gap in the problem, fill the gap, sell the thing. Everybody wins, right? Win-win scenarios. And then you throw in, and, and you know, I speak about this all the time in, in what I do and the partnership and the, and the, the company that I'm a partner in, um, where we 
refer to this toolkit now for businesses as like 400 to slash 4,000 possibilities, right? There's email marketing and there's videos and there's phone calls and there's social and everything in between. And it creates massive overwhelm, right? And then overwhelm leads to stress and stress just permeates through a person's personal life. And again, this is where it's just this snowball effect that quite frankly is an epidemic in itself, right? It's it's something that's causing undue, unnecessary stress and anxiety inside of people, especially the entrepreneurs of the world that uh, just don't know how to navigate this space. Not only what tools do they need in the toolkit, knowing that if you're carrying the toolkit around, like physically, you can only fit so many tools in that toolkit too before you need to find partners that can come in and fill the gap on stuff. And, um, you know, it just becomes a very overwhelming thing, I think. And we've seen it accelerate in the last 18 months. So maybe to pick up on that side of it too. And I don't want us to go too far down a rabbit hole on this, but like, how have you found yourself even in the last 18 months with COVID and the lockdowns and all of that kind of stuff? in being a tolerant and a compassionate compassionate person as it relates to business and even just per interactions with, with other human beings at a general level, right? Uh, okay, to go back to the tools, you're right. You know, I mean, you can't, you, you have, as far as the, you need, people need to see what works best for them, but they should not discard anything right off the bat. So I think they need to, they need to, become expert at a few methods and then use them. Just don't use just one or two. Use an, an assortment, three, four, five things, whatever it is. Uh, during the, uh, that situation for a year and a half, um, I guess, um, like many, like most of us, we spent more time online. We spent more time. I've been doing more writing. I've been doing more, you know, podcasts and things like that, interviews. I've been reaching people more on the phone. I've been contacting my past clients more. I've been doing my newsletter more because let's not forget it is 10 times harder to find a new client than it is to get an existing client to reorder from you. That's kind of a golden rule in business. So that um, COVID time allowed us to go back and spend more time going back to our existing client base and try to give them more. So you know, this is, uh, you need to adapt, but I still have been able to make cold calls, even physical cold calls. You know, you come in with a mask, you see if the, I ask, mask on, mask off, and you see, you go with the feeling of what people tell you, people who run the business, and you adapt to it. But I've still been successful at acquiring new accounts that way as well during that time. So, I would say it's it's uh, it's all about adapting and 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 keep being passionate for what you do. You need to be driven by what you do and love it. I mean, Bob Proctor in our film, Your Second Fifty, at some point he says, you know, if you love what you do, you're not working one day in your life. Yeah, which comes back to purpose and vision and everything else, right? So, and a lot of times that's I think. That, that really lands for me too, because I think a lot of people that end up starting their own business and having it be successful at a certain level, whether it be financially or amount of employees that they've built up and stuff, get so attached to what it is that they're maybe unadaptable to what it could be. And then therefore they just become obsolete, you know, like they just don't evolve over time. And like, just in, like in personal development, you know, if we don't evolve, if we're not evolving, we're dying. 
Right? Well, I think Trevor, you're, you're actually touching on a good point here. I think COVID has given an opportunity for people who have seized that opportunity to really reflect on their business and to look at their business from the outside in and to really reflect on what their business means to them. You know, um, one of my mentors is actually, his name is Christian Vander. He's a fabulous musician, uh, the founder of the band Magma, who I made a movie on. And he, he, he said many times before, whatever you do, you have to do it 100% with passion, you know, and, and make it as beautiful as you can. You, you could be somebody who is, you know, sw- sweeping the streets, but you could do it, you know, you're making a difference. You're making a difference, whether you like it or you don't see it or not. So I was thinking, well, what does it mean to be, for example, if I own the dry cleaning business, would I be in the business of selling, of, a, of cleaning people's clothes? Because that's a limiting belief. That doesn't get you excited in the morning. Or am I in the business of helping people really feel 100% the best they can be? Because maybe this coat they're going to put on, that suit, that shirt, is going to play a role in how confident they are in their next big meeting. Or maybe it's a, they are meeting their their love, you know, their love right. partner. Yeah, or yeah. Whoever it is. So if I was a dry cleaner, if I had a, if you were a dry cleaner, I was talking to you, I would tell you, Trevor, are you really in the business of cleaning clothes or are you in the business of helping people feel better about themselves and being part of their journey? You know, and that, and that can come across in the way you greet them, the way you talk to them. That will grow their, your business, Trevor, when you think about it. So, so when you look at your business that way and you take the time to do that and you, you explore it through the COVID time that we've had, um, then you can think about new directions you can take your business in. You know? I do. You can expand the business if you look at it from a different perspective. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, but I have a client who's uh, over in Europe. He lives in Spain now, but um, or in the Netherlands, I believe. He's from Spain. But he had a hand in the MasterCard priceless campaigns when they came out like 25 years ago. I forget when that was, was like the early 90s or something, right? It's like, well, what, do you, what can you do with a MasterCard? Well, you can buy stuff anywhere in the world, right? There's all of these like benefit statements, right? But then they created this campaign that was just literally like a dad buying baseball tickets and then hot dogs at the game and ice cream and, you know, time spent with my son that I'll never be able to like, you know, that will be a lifetime of memories. Priceless. That's it. That's it. Shift of perception. Yeah. And I think um, this is possible for all people and businesses out there. And a lot of times I think what stops them is thinking like, well, I don't know how to create that kind of emotional connection. So a limiting belief of like, they can't do it or just um, not having met the right person or the right people or the right businesses that can help do that with them, you know, like pull the story out. And I, I could speak about this from my own personal perspective too, because for the better part of 12 years, my story was writing itself, but I didn't have, you know, I I always use the story of like, well, I'm just a humble guy from Saskatchewan. I don't tell my story. I don't want to brag, you know, and I don't want to seem like I was incompetent at that point in my life. And, and then you meet people that go, no, no, no. Like, can't you see that this actually was the ripple effect that created this? 
And that if you were to tell that story, it might unlock something for somebody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a gift. And it's something that every business and every person should tap into. They really should. It's your differentiator in today's world that is so busy, where everybody seemingly is selling credit cards or <laughs> the exactly and that you know? becomes that becomes a differentiator and and again that becomes a story to tell mm-hmm. what is what is your story to tell whether you're a dry cleaner to use that example or you own a restaurant or a winery you probably have a story to tell make it unique absolutely Excellent. So Laurent, we, we, there's a whole bunch of other topics that we will talk about at some point in the future, because part of my uh, theme of my podcast is that I bring my guests back too, because beliefs change, perspective changes. We end up talking about things that unlock certain things and then we can revisit it, you know? So I definitely want to do that, but I do have one final set of questions. If you got time here to, to run through. Cool. So I call it the one thing lightning round. Doesn't need to be like one word answers. You can take your time to answer it, but um, they all kind of revolve around uh, the theme of one thing. Ready to roll? Ready. (laughs) Okay. So you kind of already alluded to this one, but I'll ask it again, just in case something else comes up or if it's the same answer, but who is one person or mentor that has been the most influential in your life all time? So like going right back to childhood. My father. Hmm. Yeah, and you articulated kind of why that was. Hey, was no, just... no, yeah, no questions. We'll skip past that one then, because like I say, I kind of asked you that one already. But let me ask you this then too: Who is one person slash mentor that you would feel is the most influential in your life right now? So, like in your present moment. Hmm. Ah, uh, yes, I have one. Perfect. Clint. 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 Clint Eastwood. Ah. Down on. 91 years old, just released his latest film. Do you think he's moving along in life with limiting beliefs around aging or what is possible? No, he doesn't care. He still does what he's always loved to do. So I would say Clint Eastwood. That's a great one. Okay, next question. What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? If you can narrow it down to one. The vegan, uh, cause I'm, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for about four, five years now almost. Um, so it, it ties together with compassion and tolerance. I think, uh, that is the one cause that is uh, closest to my heart. I can't understand the disconnect, uh, between, uh, wanting, searching for peace in the world as far as humanity moving forward and still, um, acting with so much cruelty towards um, our brothers and sisters who are just looking different than we are, but they're still animals. So that's the one cause. Perfect. What is one thing you are most grateful for right now? Just being alive. I mean, I mean, I, I love life and I got that from my parents. I mean, you know, it's, it's when you lose things that you're able to do, even simple things. After um, I had a motorcycle accident that got me grounded for a couple of months. When the first time I started walking again on crutches, I was amazed, like, wow, you know, how could I take that for granted? So I would say that's what it is. You know, I, I'm just grateful of being alive because it's such an amazing journey. You know, it's just amazing. Perfect. What is one thing you are most curious about right now and wanting to explore and learn more about? 
Well, the curiosity for me right now is uh, entering the the world of um, actually uh, filmmaking. But filmmaking, I'm talking about uh, movies. Mm-hmm. It's a new space for me. It comes with a lot of anxiety because I'm going to direct that movie. I've never directed actors before. So I'm very curious about what the process is going to be uh, looking like. I'm excited. I've got anxiety coming along with it. Of course, all the fears. Am I going to be able to do it? Am I going? I've got all these voices, but I'm curious about the process, Trevor. Yep. Perfect. Perfect answer. Last question. What is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to make, that you need to face with bravery? Well, I guess what scares me the most is the fear of losing, you know, my, uh, my appetite for life, my positive approach to things in an environment that is overwhelmingly negative, uh, which we are living today. So how to stay positive in the biggest sense of the world in an environment that is so negative and divisive. So the fear is to lose, potentially lose that positive approach, uh, of embracing life within that environment. That would be the greatest fear. Great answers. There's no right or wrong, and they were all perfect. So <laughs> um, in case you didn't notice, I told you before, you know, be grateful, be curious, be brave. I really got to get some lights that actually shine those things. I got to go get them redone. But but anyways, you know, like your answers of like, just grateful for being alive, you know, perfect answer, right? Like what else is there? It's like, if your health is gone, then what else do you got, right? So you're here. So lots to be grateful there. And then curiosity, like this, again, this is why I love what I'm doing right now. And the fact that I just said, like, we're going to revisit this interview at some point in the future too. And like, imagine that we do this interview this time next year, you're going to have that experience that you're curious about right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like to actually come back to it and go, so what was it like, Laurent? Did you make up more in your head than was really needed? Or was it everything you thought it was going to be? And it was a disaster. Like, Whatever it was, it was perfect. So, um, and then the bravery, yeah, I can, I think everybody listening and watching this can probably relate to it too. I think it's our greatest challenge and opportunity in the space that we're in right now is how do we navigate this world that is so disconnected and divisive and uh, fearful and angry and come out the other side with more love and compassion and, you know, a better place. So, And this podcast is hopefully a piece of creating some of that too, even just starting these conversations. So just want to acknowledge you, Laurent, because um, yeah, we we dove deep on some things that you and I have had a lot of uh, private conversations on, and now we get to share this with the world and we'll come back to it again. And and we're going to do some really cool things here together. And I can't wait to release release those into the world. And I appreciate your mentorship and friendship throughout all of this. Thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for making it happen. Of course. Yeah, my pleasure. So how can people find out more about you? Um, go and check out all the platforms and everything that you got going on right now. Well, I would say the easiest way is to go to Citrus Pie, um, Citrus Pie MG, which stands for mediagroup.com. So citruspymg.com is the place to go. Uh, Bizwell is about to launch, um, you know, uh, very soon, next week, I think. So C2Spy right now is the the hub where people can find me. They can write to me on my email at laurent, 
L-A-U-R-E-N-T at citruspie.com. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link all that up. And by the time this goes live, all of these things will be up and uh, and running and accessible. So, uh, Laurent, thanks again for doing this. I look forward to our next in-person meeting at The Angry Vegan in Penticton, BC. <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Bye, right. Trevor. Thank you Thank so you. much, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 